Hey, do you get sad when a television show ends? I get sad when my nap time ends. <laughs> I get sad when pumpkin spice season ends. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, do you feel like part of your life has come to a close whenever a beloved TV show ends? Oh, totally. But, you know, I'm well known for not finishing shows that I watch. I think that way subconsciously I can always go back and have a reunion episode anytime I want. <laughs> oh, your fear of closure strikes once again. <laughs> <laughs> I say when it's a series finale. <laughs> <laughs> See, for me, I vividly remember in eighth grade when Cheers ended, someone in our class organized to make sure everyone wore black on the day of the final episode, which makes no sense because Cheers was definitely not made for eighth graders. Well, thankfully, some TV shows don't stay dead forever. That's right. So just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of some fateful TV shows that managed to bounce back to life with a made-for-television movie. Oh, it sounds like it's time to board the SS Minnow and head to a deserted island full of made-for-television movies. It sure is. Land ho! What did you just call me? Oh, you know. Let's begin. <laughs> <laughs> So are you a ginger or a Marianne? Can I change my answer to being the skipper? I'm about the same size as the skipper right now. <laughs> and I could also sink a boat. <laughs> you know, I think we've already talked about this. I'm a Dom DeLuise. <laughs> could you imagine Dom DeLuise on Gilligan's Island? As we've said before, there's no one else I'd rather be stranded on a desert island than with Dom DeLuise. <laughs> <laughs> He'd need the professor to build him an induction oven for all those Italian recipes. Well, you know, I hate coconuts, so um, there's a good reason why there's no coconuts in Italian cooking. <laughs> Up your brajo. <laughs> it just means rolled beef. Welcome to this episode of the Pop Trash Podcast. I'm truly not Dom DeLuise, I'm Eric Riggs. And I'm Mike Jones. Each episode, we take a pop topic and trash talk it, but with love, of course. Ooh, and love? Love is exciting and new, so come aboard. We've been expecting you on this episode <laughs> covering TV movies about TV shows. There has to be a better way of explaining this. <laughs> <laughs> Other than a love boat metaphor? <laughs> Everyone loves a love boat metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So we're in the throes of a season on made-for-television movies. So today we're looking at TV movies that brought back beloved TV show casts and plots years after those shows wrapped up. Is that any better? I'll take it. I mean, much like some of the TV movies we've been watching, it could be worse, but it ain't good. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. How about a question then for you? What makes for a TV show that has a chance of being reborn with a TV movie? 15 years seems about right. <laughs> Once the nostalgia kicks in a generation later, that's the time for a reunion movie. All right. I hear that. I hear that. Some passage of time that, you know, has people feeling nostalgic. They have to be properties or, you know, TV shows that had some kind of like pop culture punch to them. So something that's stuck in the memory of everybody's consciousness. True. I think one last thing would also be there's a storyline to wrap up that's somewhat interesting. Yeah. We'll talk about that today, right? There's some some TV shows end without a season or a series finale. And so the TV movies end up becoming a way to sort of continue the story or close the story, which I think is also interesting. <laughs> Thank you.
So there's a ton of TV shows that have come back in the form of a TV movie, but we pick three today that are relatively easy to stream and find online. You, of course, probably have guessed uh, that one of them is Gilligan's Island, so we'll be revisiting those castaways well over a decade after the last episode of that TV show aired. Then it's time to board the love boat for a seasonal Valentine's Day TV movie that brought back many of the shipmates four years after the show's final sale. And then we'll wrap up with everyone's favorite alien from Melmac and a late 1990s effort to explain what happened to Alf years after the TV show was canceled. Sounds good to me. How about you, Alf? Ha! Skipper, or should I say little buddy? I think the first one we're talking about is 1978's Rescue from Gilligan's Island. Eric, what is the plot of Rescue from Gilligan's Island? I mean, it's it's a little convoluted. There's a storm that makes them lash all their huts together for safety. And then they get sent out to sea. There's some meandering hijinks, but eventually they end up on the outskirts of Hawaii. The Coast Guard catches them. And and that's what this movie explores. What happens if the castaways got rescued or get off the island? What happens when they re-enter society? Which is an interesting concept of like what happens when they're not a little society civilization unto themselves and they go their separate ways i thought that was maybe the most interesting thing and of course you know they miss each other they had gotten used to each other and they kind of want to go back in some respects and they of course you guessed it end up back on the island i don't want to spoil how but you can guess that it's going to be the loop that we need to get back to gilligan's island to kind of reset things to the way they were again Oh, interesting. So you're saying the plot of rescue from Gilligan's Island is that they are rescued from Gilligan's Island. <laughs> it's it's a bit of a misnomer, but it's exactly what it says. <laughs> uh, was I interested in watching this? Yes, I was interested to see how they'd keep the story going. Did I like it? Mm, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that they all looked you know, pretty much the same, the characters, except for Gilligan. For a character who has not a worry in his head, he, the island really aged him. (laughs) (laughs) Gilligan had, had, uh, had a rough life on the island, I guess. No, I agree with that. I would say like the skipper still looked like the skipper. Uh, Marianne still looked like Marianne. The Howls still looked like the Howls. The professor still looked like the professor. Gilligan aged. And Mar- and sorry, Ginger. Ginger did not look like Ginger. (laughs) (laughs) And that's actually a good way of, of, of talking about Tina Louise is one of the original cast members. She played Ginger on the TV show and she decided not to come back for this TV movie or any of the TV movies that ever aired, which we'll talk about in a minute. But it's interesting seeing them replace Ginger with a new actress. Mm-hmm. 
You have no idea who the actress is, do you? I, I don't know, and I don't care to know. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not my ginger. <laughs> Tina Louise is probably pretty smart. There is a sense of, oh, it would have been nice to see all of the original cast come back. I think she was signed on. She was going to be aboard, but she always felt that Gilligan's Island typecast her, and she was never able to overcome not being seen as ginger. And so I bet that that played more of a part than even the money if that was really what was on the line for her saying no that she just didn't want to go back to the island she had already been rescued by this being canceled yeah that's fair enough i can i can see that so the person who did play ginger in this is a woman named judith baldwin and she's capable i think it's just one of those things where when you know these characters mm-hmm like the back of your hand because Gilligan's Island had such a, a cultural sort of force behind it. You never quite stop thinking that's not ginger. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think people today, if you weren't raised in the eighties and you didn't experience the reruns of Gilligan's Island, or even when it was first run, you don't realize what a juggernaut it was. It was constantly on. You would turn the TV on and you could find a channel that was airing Gilligan's Island. It was inescapable and it made them larger than life. They were always recognized as these characters. She's now the only surviving cast member of the the entire show still around, which is sort of interesting. Uh, And My understanding is like kind of never really wanted to um, never really wanted to hold on to the nostalgia of Gilligan's Island at all. Just kind of like move forward with her life. She did some TV shows. She did some movies. She did some commercials. Yeah. And I think that was pretty typical of most of the people in the cast. So you, you have two choices, either embrace it and come back for the reunions when they're offered, because that's the character that's beloved. Or you just say no. Did you like it, though? Did you think it worked? I thought it was charming, but it really needed to be about the length of a regular Gilligan's Island episode. That is the inherent problem in a reunion, a reboot, a reimagining, whatever it is, because a certain amount of time has passed, right? And you have to make the choice. Do you, like make it exactly as it was and go for the corny jokes, try and recreate it? as it was or do you try and do an update for like where you're at in the time stream now and i think that's a problem that just can never be solved you can never really recapture it the best that you can hope for is that you have a reunion where it's like oh you see everybody and that was nice and i remember the good times it's pure bread and butter nostalgia and you're just there because you want to see them again this is just camp it is so camp Yeah, I will say it made me remember how much I just really love the Howls. I kind of (laughs) I was going to ask, who was your favorite character? Was it the Howls? They could have had a spinoff of or even a prequel of the Howls. Like Natalie Schaefer and Jim Backus had such great chemistry. They were so funny in the way they just delivered that the campiness of rich people and, and just the aloofness and like 15 years later on the island they're still talking about rich people things and it's just to me it's just so absurd it was so funny and i think the other stuff that comes off as corny that one is like you know it's corny and absurd the layer upon layer and the way they played it is so endearing i wanted to see more of them so we always like to go back to the date this aired to see how it performed and so this aired Uh, It actually aired in two parts. It aired on two separate Saturdays. The first hour aired on October 14th, 1978. The second hour aired a week later on October 21st, 1978. And I'm curious, do you think this did well in the ratings? 
Oh, I bet it was a smash. It was, I'm not kidding. It was one of the most popular, not only TV movies of like that year, but one of the most popular TV movies in the entire history of the genre of TV movies, (laughs) especially the first hour. Mm. The success of this actually like made other additional TV movies about Gilligan's Island happen about a year later, they did another one. And then several years later, they did one where the Harlem Globetrotters <laughs> somehow managed to get to the deserted Island and are stuck on the deserted Island with <laughs> castaways, which is just hilarious. But yeah, it's just wild to think that this was so popular that it became really one of the biggest TV movies in the history of the genre. From the SS Minnow to the Pacific Princess, I'm your cruise director, Julie. (laughs) Naturally, of course, you knew the name of the ship. Of course. (laughs) Doesn't everyone? (laughs) Are you serious? Okay. I did not know it was called the Pacific Princess. Pacific Princess, yeah. (laughs) As way of introducing it then, I have a question for you about the love boat. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. I'm ready. So you obviously know the theme song, correct? I do. We referenced it at the top of the podcast. The love boat is shiny and new. Mm -hmm. Which of these performers did not record a version of the love boat theme song? Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. I'm going to give you all of them. Go for it. And then you can tell me which one at the end did not. Are you Uh ready? Yep. Dionne Warwick. Mm -hmm. Charo. Mm -hmm. Diana Ross. Mm -hmm. Olivia Newton-John. And Kylie Minogue. What? Those last three mm-hmm. threw me for a loop. I know Dionne Warwick sang it on like season nine of the actual show. Charo mm-hmm. has sung it on the show. Um, I I feel like Kylie Minogue might have done it later as like a, on a tour or something. Um, so it's down to Olivia Newton-John and Diana Ross. I feel like Diana Ross, it's beneath her. I'm going to go with Diana Ross. You are actually right for a change. You got a quiz <laughs> answer right. Olivia Newton-John did a version for a movie that came out, gosh, I don't remember when, but it was called A Few Best Men. Hmm. And uh, the Love Boat theme song is on that. And yeah, Kylie Minogue has a version as well that's a little bit newer, Um, but so funny. Diana Ross never did it. We are looking now at The Love Boat, Valentine's Voyage, which was a TV movie that brought back many of the cast, although not all of them, about four years after The Love Boat officially went off the air. It's actually a caper movie, which I love. There's a diamond heist. It ends up that the the criminals are on The Love Boat getting rid of the rocks. They put it in a Valentine's bouquet of chocolates or whatnot that's how they're gonna get the diamonds out and i I gotta tell you the heart box of candy that the diamonds are hidden into got passed around more than the norovirus on a cruise ship (laughs) (laughs) it was like a whole two hours of like you gave the candy to who who has the candy (laughs) (laughs) all i kept thinking of is anyone eats into this chocolate and actually swallows a diamond while you're on a boat imagine the surgery i was waiting for someone to eat the candy and puncture their digestive system (laughs) it's capery but i'd also say it's a little bit schlocky it's camp as well this is not like this is not riveting thrilling mystery television yeah so the jewel thieves 
Roddy Roddy Piper from the World <laughs> Wrestling uh, Federation or whatever it's called now, WWE, you know, people might remember him for being the Scottish kilt wearing bagpipe playing professional wrestler who was also in John Carpenter's They Live. And then the other Jewel Thief is played by Joe Regalbutto. Do you know who Joe is? Yes, he's uh, the guy from Murphy Brown. Right. He is Frank Fontana from Murphy Brown. <laughs> and it's so funny. He's like the lead character yeah. in this entire TV movie. Tom Bosley happens to be on the boat as well. He's playing a detective and is naturally all wound up that there could be jewel thieves on the boat. He's Father Dowling following a new mystery onto the love boat. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, he makes sense. I Really, what the, what the excitement or the fun of the love boat really was, it, it all came down to the guest stars you tuned in every week to be like who is going to come on and so how fitting that we're talking about a reunion episode because the love boat was the show where all the golden hollywood era age stars came back after not making movies or tv shows or whatever and they surfaced on the love boat and it was like this rotating cast of guest stars that was so much fun so when you're having a reunion movie what did you say four years after it had ended you've kind of mined all of the guest stars and the guest stars are just kind of like eh. i mean julia duffy i love her Tom Bosley is always fun. He shows up in things. Rowdy Roddy Piper. That's crazy. You know, but they just were never, there was no like Ginger Rogers or like, you know, any of those types of stars that you're like, ooh, what are they doing? What do they look like now? You know, I think it was kind of missing that element of the love boat. I have a couple questions to see if you can identify Minnow or Princess. And I'm going to say a guest star. And you tell me if they appeared as a guest star on Gilligan's Island or The Love Boat. Are you ready? All right. Here we go. Tom Hanks. (laughs) I don't think he was old enough to do Gilligan's Island. So I'll say The Love Boat. That's correct. I think it is his first acting credit. Next one, Ethel Merman. This might be a trick question. I think she could have possibly done both. I'm going to say both. No, it is Love Boat. Six episodes. Okay. I don't believe she was ever on Gilligan's Island, but good guess. I could see her on both. Yeah. Okay. How about this one? Don Rickles. Don Rickles probably, I I mean, certainly Love Boat. He seems so like fitting for that. And of course, you're going to tell me, no, it was actually Gilligan's Island. I'm going to tell you, no, it was actually Gilligan's Island. (laughs) I was was just in shock too, like, because it seems like he should have. But my research indicates he did not. Okay, here's the last one. You mentioned it earlier, the Harlem Globetrotters. (laughs) definitely Gilligan's Island they're the entire subject of the third TV movie in the Gilligan's Island TV movie universe okay although maybe they could have done both did they do both is that your answer are you going to stick with just Gilligan's Island I knew this is a trick question. So I'm going to say both. This is my trick question. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they starred in an episode called Hoopla, <laughs> where the Globetrotters oh were on a cruise and they challenged the crew to a game in the dining room. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did pretty well on that quiz. So I, I, I officially deem you a Pacific princess. <laughs> oh, I'll take it. I'll take it.
before we dock this ship, I guess, is that the best way to say it? We always, again, go back in time. So this aired Valentine's Day week of 1990, February 12th, 1990. Do you think it did well in the ratings? Oh, I'm going to say no on this one. You're not wrong, but you're also not <laughs> right. So it's kind of like... Just like everything. <laughs> <laughs> it was the 38th most watched program of the week. You know, it didn't do gangbusters, but it did mildly well. It didn't win its time slot, though. It lost to actually a special episode of The Golden Girls, which is funny mm. given how much Rue McClanahan and Betty White all played on the love mm-hmm. boat, you know, when it was on. Yeah. Um, but it, it lost to the Golden Girls, and it was actually a classic episode of the Golden Girls. It's the Golden Girls episode where uh, Dorothy and Sophia dress up as Sunny and Cher. Oh, the love boat never had a chance. Okay, call the government, alert the media, hide the cat. Alf is back in Project Alf. Mike, can you tell us what this TV movie is about? No, I got to hide my cat. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm happy to tell you what this TV movie is all about. Uh, It's probably about six years after the Alf TV show ends. Everyone's favorite furry alien from the 1980s. Alf is imprisoned by the U.S. government uh, and is essentially... I guess there's this tension of whether he's being studied or whether they're going to kill him, but it's like, they've got an alien and they're in their midst (laughs) and, and you know, he's essentially in prison. He escapes. Is that a good enough explanation of project elf? I think that's pretty good. Ah! This TV movie was an attempt to kind of wrap up a series that didn't really get a great ending. So the, fourth season of ALF, it was expected to be renewed and it ended on a cliffhanger where, you know, the government agents descend and ALF is going to be taken away from the Tanner family. And you never know what happened to ALF. Well, this TV movie is hoping to continue the story. There is like a who's who of guest stars who play either military officials or doctors that are all basically assessing (laughs) Um, Martin Sheen is the biggest one. He sort of pops up in the first 15 minutes as uh, like someone testifying before Congress about why, you know, the U.S. government needed to detain Alf and what they should do with him. Um, But then you have a series of doctors who also sort of assess Alf. Uh, one of whom is played by Ed Begley Jr. The other one is Charles Robinson, who played Mac from Night Court. He shows up. And then, uh, yeah, there's a handful of other guest stars who show up throughout it. You know, Ray Walston, who a lot of people might know as the old cranky judge from Picket Fences. Mm -hmm. And that's a great in-joke because he played my favorite Martian. And so him showing up in this is like obviously a great callback to that because it's a Martian on the loose on the run in society that's trying to be like captured by the government. What is interesting about watching this TV movie and not seeing any of the Tanner family whatsoever, most of the people who acted on that show were like ecstatic that the show ended (laughs) because it was a miserable experience for them for a handful of different reasons. But I think the biggest was having a TV show centered around a puppet that wasn't real 
was just really hard for a bunch of working actors. And even just the set had to go through a bunch of different things in order to have the puppet tearing like work. And then you also have this phenomenon where like the actors started to get like pissed off that a make-believe pretend puppet <laughs> became this cultural force and they were just sort of supporting players to it. Yeah, I watched ALF first run like mm-hmm. i had an alf coffee cup or a teacup because yeah. i didn't drink coffee as a kid but a teacup i had an alf lunchbox i had an alf stuffed animal so it was like big in our house yeah speaking of the merchandise one of the funniest things i thought in this tv movie was the merchandising cracks i mean alf references the alf watch and the other things throughout it kind of breaking the fourth wall because it was such a phenomenon alf was slapped on everything and he was everywhere back in the 80s we have talked about alf on the podcast so much his christmas special we've written articles on poptrashmuseum.com you've referenced space cats which was a an alf adjacent project it's like i have such a soft spot for alf and i'm not sure why is it because he's a puppet is it because of his like wisecracking humor that skewed perspective. I don't know what it is, but I just really love Alf. And I get Alf is not for everybody. (laughs) He's an acquired taste, I will say. (laughs) Which then begs the question, do you think this did well? I'm going to say yes, because people wanted to know how Alf's story turned out after that cliffhanger. Sadly, you couldn't be like more wrong. It was it was dead. It oh. was it was the seventy second most watched program oh of the week. <laughs> yeah, it did not do very well. You're not bringing back most of the cast mm-hmm. or any of the right. cast, and so except for the central character, and you also like you're jumping ahead mm-hmm. so much in the plot. Yeah, that like the t- like I said, the TV show doesn't end with Alf like in prison necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's like, and so it's like, oh, you're just already like creating sort of a new worldview. For me, it started off so strong. It was jokes and it was funny about him like being kind of this guinea pig, this government guinea pig tested by all of those guest stars that we mentioned. But then it kind of turns into like a real movie. Maybe that's the kind of what I talked about with Gilligan's Island, that a sitcom, you can kind of sustain that type of humor for about 30 minutes. But when you expand it to a movie, movie maybe it kind of gets a little shakier yeah i agree with that i think that's really right i mean the vibe of this tv movie yeah there's some jokes at the beginning but more broadly it does kind of feel a little like i don't want to say like dark and sad but there's it it's not a particularly bright like popping mm-hmm. warmthy tv movie at least that i thought I wanted to ask you, Eric, is there a TV show that hasn't yet had a made-for-television movie made of it years after it ended that you would love to see come back in this format? Yes, the answer is Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? What what would you like to see a reunion of? It would be Empty Nest. Oh, yeah. The daughters, Dinah Manoff... Uh, Christy McNichol, they're still around, right? They could be have kids now. Uh, you know, there'd be a way to do it where they could be the empty nesters, right? Oh. And so it's like a full pivot. Empty nest 15 years later. Emptier and nestier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except this is how I know you uh, are old. It's It's been 30 years. It's since definitely. Oh, I'm sure it's not 15 years. <laughs> Well, 
Well, I hope you all look forward to the reunion of this podcast episode in about 15 years. <laughs> My part will be played by Tina Louise. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, Dom DeLuise. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you'd like more pop culture nostalgia, head over to poptrashmuseum.com. You can also find us on that garbage heap we call social media. We're on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you liked what you've heard today, follow us on Apple Podcasts or follow us wherever you stream your podcast. And we'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode that dives deep into the universe of TV movies. We hope you'll show up for that episode, just like Tom Bosley shows up for a guest starring paycheck. Oh, and you know, whenever Tom Bosley shows up, you're going to have one of those happy days. (laughs) (laughs) 